Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. There it is, 6 a.m. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get reading, and we are going to dive into this. Father, Father, thank you so much that you are with us here today. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would join us in this time as we carve it out for you and you alone. God, I thank you for every single person on here today. And Lord, I just pray you would speak to all of them. God, let your voice come alive to them. And that, Lord, as we're diving into your word, that your word will be imprinted on our hearts today. So, Holy Spirit, I just pray, speak, your servants are listening. We prayed in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on. I really do believe that God wants to speak to us today. And if you have been keeping up with our soaps over the past, let's say, uh, months or uh, last month, just by reading and diving into it, you know, we are like head first into the sacrificial systems and like the Old Testament goodies. And I'll tell you what, the chapter we're diving into today, Leviticus 17, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. But I, I want to kind of encourage you in case if you're having a hard time, like getting through the sacrificial systems and all the kind of stuff that like part of the Bible uh, God has nuggets, like these golden nuggets of just truth and revelation about who he is inside of those chapters and inside of those words. Um, because I know at one point in my walk with Christ, I read those chapters and just thought, yeah, I'm gonna skip these, <laughs> like, take me back to Matthew. Right. <laughs> and, uh, Leviticus 17 might be one of those chapters for us today, but I want to kind of help just frame it right before we read it. Leviticus 17, a lot of biblical scholars call the beginning of the holiness code. And the reason that it's kind of like the beginning of the holiness code is because God wants us as his people to live holy because he is holy. And what that means is God wants us to live set apart. God wants us to be apart from our sin, apart from our previous ways, because he himself is apart from those ways. Does that kind of make sense, y'all? So it might be a little bit more of a difficult pill to swallow, but I'm telling you, God wants to speak to all of us through his word today, even the chapters that may feel like we're eating vegetables, right? As much as I love the gospels, I love the New Testament. I love the epistles. I love, come on, the book of Proverbs. Oh my gosh, come on. It, it's, it's, it's the, uh, what today's the ninth. So we have Proverbs chapter nine today, love the book, but we also have to eat our vegetables from the word too. And that's kind of what Leviticus 17 is. And I believe God has something for you. So verse one, let's dive into this thing. It goes, the Lord said to Moses, speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites and say to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Any Israelite who sacrifices an ox, a lamb, or a goat in the camp or outside of it, instead of bringing it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to present it as an offering to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, that person shall be considered guilty of bloodshed. They have shed blood and must be cut off from their people. 
This is so the Israelites will bring to the Lord the sacrifices they are now making in the open fields. They must bring them to the priest, that is, to the Lord, at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as fellowship offerings. The priest is to splash the blood against the altar of the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and burn the fat as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. They must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for their generations to come. Say to them, any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance to the tent of meeting to sacrifice it to the Lord must be cut off from the people of Israel. I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood and I will cut them off from the people. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, none of you may eat blood, nor may any foreigner residing among you eat blood. Any Israelite or any foreigner residing among you who hurts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth, because the life of every creature is its blood. That is why I've said to the Israelites, you must not eat the blood of any creature, because the life of every creature is its blood. Anyone who eats it must be cut off. Anyone, whether native-born or foreigner, who eats anything found, dead, or torn by wild animals must wash their clothes, bathe with water, and they will be ceremonial unclean till uh, evening. Then they will be clean. But if they do not wash their clothes and bathe themselves, they will be held responsible. All right, we got through it together. I know it's a nice long read this morning. I had to put on my iPad and everything because I wanted to make sure I could actually see the thing. So I want to just point something out to kick it off. Uh, if you noticed, there was kind of a repetitive phrase inside of there. And it was the life of the creature is inside of the blood. When you're reading the Bible, when you're kind of breaking things down, when you're studying and really just trying to uh, dive into it. Something important to notice is when phrases or words are repeated. So if you see a phrase that starts repeating itself, it's known as a diacopy. So a diacopy is basically when something is said multiple times in a cadence, um, uh, referenced multiple times, and you'll know that the author is trying to communicate a message. Right here, God is speaking to Moses directly. So when he's speaking to Moses directly, he's saying, Moses, listen to me and communicate this to the people. The life of a creature is inside of its blood. And hear me, I know it makes so much sense, right? Like the blood inside of us and our veins pumping through us, like it, that's the what that's our life, right? It makes sense. But there's one verse in here that is meant to capitalize off of that. Uh, let me find it because I just had it, but I lost it. Oh, geez. Here we go. For the life of a creature, verse 11, for the life of a creature is in its blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Verse 11 is what points us to the sacrifice of Jesus. Church, this is why we have the Old Testament. 
This is why we have the book of the law. This is why we have sacrificial systems. Jesus would become that sacrifice where the life for all of the world and for the life of eternity would be found inside of his blood that would be shed on the cross. And I want to tell you something, not one drop was wasted on Calvary's hill. Not one drop was wasted. Every last drop that was there is for your and my atonement. And that's what's beautiful about chapters like this, because it points to us that we have life inside of the blood of Jesus. And no one can take that blood away. Not a bad day, not an argument with our spouse. Come on, somebody. Not our kids acting a fool, not our grandkids. What in the world are they doing? No, the life of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that now pumps through our veins. Because guess what? You had a blood transfusion the day you said, yes, Jesus, I want you a part of my life. And when that blood transfusion hit in, that's when the atonement clicked and said, I am in eternity and in abundant life here on this earth. So I want to point that out really quick, because sometimes when we start talking about blood and the Bible, it's like, what in the world is happening? Well, in our context, in our church context, life, culture, animal sacrifices sounds super weird. Thank you, Jesus, uh, that he took care of that on the cross, because guess what? Uh, I would be a priest in training. Because at age 30 is when you became a priest, and I'm 28, I'm not there yet. However, we would be doing sacrifices on Sunday mornings, and I'm happy we don't have to do that, because <laughs> I actually really like animals. <laughs> so thank God he got rid of this system. I'm personally grateful for it, but I think you could also be grateful for it because we don't have this, let's say, barrier or action standing between us and forgiveness. Now all we have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I'm here. I am calling on the sacrifice on the cross. Amen. All right. few verses I want to look at because this thing is a meaty, meaty chapter to break down. Let's take a look at verses three through nine. I'm going to paraphrase really quick because it's a handful of verses. So inside of that little passage, uh, it's talking about not bringing a sacrifice outside of the camp that the Israelites set up and making sacrifices out there rather than uh, before the Lord. So first question I would have, because many times we could read chapters like this and just think, what in the world did I just read? And why is this even a commandment? Like, right, we kind of have to understand their cultural context. So uh, first question I would say is, why were the Israelites prohibited from sacrificing outside of the tabernacle area? So God established very specific times and places for sacrifices. Uh, reason being was because these sacrifices all had symbolic meanings. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into like all of them. There's a handful of sacrifices. Uh, the one I'd probably go deep into was out of our last chapters, Leviticus 16, to kind of plug the last one. And if you missed it, go back and listen to the soap on the Apple podcast, because you definitely don't want to miss it. it. They all line up with each other. That sacrifice was called the Day of Atonement. So atonement, a basic, basic, basic definition, to pay for one's blank. So we're going to say to pay for one's sins because that's what the biblical context is. So this symbolic meaning from the Day of Atonement and what the sacrifice was is there would be two goats. One goat would be made as a sacrifice for the purity of the priest. So the high priest would go. He would bring two goats with him. He would cast lots. One goat would be sacrificed for his sins. The other goat would have the sins of the nation. 
the sins of Israel spoken over the goat. And he would sit there and just whisper them because he just got done taking confession from the nation. He just got done hearing about the sins of the nation and he would speak those sins over that goat. He would take that goat to the wilderness and release it into the wilderness. He would let him go and say, run off, go away. And the whole symbolic point was when he would take the sins would be sacrificed to pay for the atonement. And then there would also be another one to say the sins of the nation is running away from the nation, never to be seen again. Because listen, I had a cat that got out when I was a kid, got right out of the house. And what's the fear? I'm never going to see this animal again. That was the whole point of the scapegoat. We were, they were never to see their sins again. And we all know that phrase scapegoat. Uh, we know from movies, we know from, uh, was it corporate scandals, everything. Did you know the Bible was the author of the scapegoat? Jesus was the author of the scapegoat because he wanted to be our scapegoat. So these sacrifices, they all had symbolic meanings. And God wanted them to be reserved for the meanings that he created them for. And so many of uh, different religions and belief systems at the time and cultures would go and sacrifice anywhere. It would be very, uh, let's say, unorganized, very um, personal, and they would just uh, decide their own form of interpretation, their own form of symbolic meaning around whatever gods they were creating. What Jesus wanted was, guys, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I, I don't want you to go and do your own thing. I want you to be a part of the symbolic sacrifices that I've created for you. So that's kind of the reason why he said, hey, don't do it out there. Do it in here. Another reason would be um, if people sacrificed on their own outside of the tabernacle area, they might easily add to or subtract from God's law to fit their own lifestyle. Uh, I think a lot of us, if we really like took a look at ourselves, and because I know I can do this sometimes, and that's why I need moments like the soap devotional and the word of God and community to keep me in check, because we can start creating our own belief system for Jesus rather than having him create our belief system for us. Because for them to come together and sacrifice inside of the tabernacle area, inside of the community, that's what we'll call it, like sacrifice in community. If you start just doing it on your own, you start to kind of create God in your image rather than get created in his image. Yeah, like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden we go, hey, I'm going to make him and make him convenient for me rather than saying I'm going to go into the hands of the comforter and let him conform me to his image. And this is exactly why we need community. He didn't want them going and sacrificing on their own. He didn't want them going and worshiping on their own. He didn't want them going at like it wasn't meant to be by themselves. And that's exactly what this Christian walk, y'all. That's exactly like church. It's not meant to be done on our own. It's meant to be done in community. There's this old uh, uh, old preacher saying, it goes, a burning log removed from fire eventually burns out. So if you want to be a lone ranger, if you want to be the burning log that removes itself from the fire, removes itself from the community, eventually it'll burn out. And the Lord really never wants that. And it, it's kind of heartbreaking when you see it, because we could probably all think of someone somewhere along the line that unplugged from community and it was heartbreaking, you know, and they said, I'm going to take that step back. So this thing is never meant to be done alone. And I'll give you a super practical example. 
this past Monday, as you all know, I will always plug Fusion Youth almost every time I talk because I love this next generation. I love these students. I love the leaders I serve alongside of. Uh, at youth, we're playing air hockey. We just got an air hockey table and the kids are going in, having a blast. Uh, I like to just mingle. I kind of roll around. I walk around and see what's up in people's lives. As I stop by the air hockey table, I go there to stir the pot a little bit. And one kid, uh, he goes, and he's visibly, I mean, visibly upset. And I'm like, hey, what's up? What's going on? He's on the air hockey table. He And he kind of like, you know, slams his little, I don't know what to call it, you know, puck hitter thingy on the air hockey table. And he goes, pastor, if God's, thank you, paddle, if pastor, if God spoke to me, and told me the rules for air hockey, I'm allowed to reach over the center line and hit it into his thing, then that's the rules. And the student on the under, other end of the table is like, it's still breaking the rules. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, why, why would God speak to you and tell you to break the rules? And I, I everything in me, because I don't want to laugh at the student because you don't want them to feel, you know, you want them to have dignity. You want them to feel like, you know, it's, you don't want to demean them. And uh, I just look at them straight face and say, Hey bud, how about this? So what we'll do is I'll set the rules and I'll pray and I'll go to God and considering like I kind of oversee the thing. Like, and if he tells me differently about the rules, how about this? I'll change them. Does that sound okay? And he goes, yeah. And then, you know, I just said, from this point forward, you're not reaching over the center line, man. <laughs> Stay back here. And then we chat a little bit later and this kind of helped explain them to him. Like, listen, I do believe God speaks to us about things like that. However, you know, I think we should also be really, really careful about what God is saying at times. And because, you know, we don't want to say God says this if he's not saying, you know, we don't want to say thus saith the Lord if he's not saying it. We really want to try and be careful. Like, I'm I'm very careful about stuff like that. Like if Jesus speaks, share what he speaks. If he's not speaking, just keep your mouth shut. It's okay. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and the reality is it, he wanted to conform to the way that he felt. How many times do we feel that way where we're frustrated at a situation? So we have to try and conform the situation or ourselves around to how we feel. And it's so true. Like we can't think of that one person and not look at ourselves and say, yeah, I do that sometimes. That's real. Like, it, we do it so often, but that's why we need community. That's why we need each other to keep one another in check, to keep one another in line saying, hey, that's probably not the way to go. Hey, that may not be the way to handle something. Hey, you really got to get yourself in check. So get into accountability, get around people. Uh, I'll share a little something with you. This is a little more personal for my life. Uh, I have accountability software on everything that gets internet that I own. Oh, snap. And I will tell you what, my wife has archives from years of text messages that I've had with people all over. And it's because I want to stay accountable. I have nothing to hide. I want to make sure my life is out in the open to live above reproach. And she knows everything I look at. If I spend an hour on Facebook today, which I like, I even have time to spend an hour on Facebook, but if I spend an hour on Facebook today, my wife will know. <laughs> and it tells her everything. We want to have accountability in our lives. And it sends it to people that hold me accountable. There's a, a mentor of mine in my life. He's an amazing person. And this is why we need accountability in our life, why we need people speaking into our life, need to be out of rows, in the circles, in community. 
him and I were talking and we're talking ministry, talking life, talking marriage, talking future family. And he goes, Hey, uh, you know, I think you lead well. I said, thanks, man. Like, appreciate it. Thank you. Like of all people, like that's a compliment. Thank you. And he said, you know, I just think you could probably love a little better too. He's like, cause you don't want to lead well and not love well. And I thought, Ooh, that's a blow to the heart, <laughs> but how good is it that we have people in our lives, in our connect groups, in our circles, the people we're serving with that could say, Hey, listen, Doug, man, I, I see you're looking a little downcast today at the door when you're holding the pop-up sign, getting hype, you know, like, Oh, please. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> That's why I'm using you as an example. <laughs> Cause he's always jumping up and down, you know, like, Hey, listen, like what's going on? What's in your life? What's happening? You know, that's why we need those people close to us. And so often we would rather isolate, sacrifice outside of the tabernacle area, not be accountable, not let people in because many times we don't want to change. We want to be told, hey, you're doing a great job. Well, hear me, you're doing a great job, but we could all use a little work too, right? Right. If we have to be able to say, yes, Jesus, I want you to change something about me just a little bit. So uh, application question on those verses, who are you accountable to in your life? Who are you accountable to in your life? Get And if it, if you can't think of anyone, my encouragement to you today is get accountable. Find your connect group leader, find people that are in your connect groups. If you're not in a connect group, get in a connect group and just seriously walk in there and say, guys, I, I need someone to be accountable to. I want, I need people to speak into my life that know the word. I need people to pray for me. Like, this is what I need and get in community and then do the same for them. So get accountable to somebody. Let's take a look at verse seven. It says, they must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them in generations to come. Whew, geez. All right. What's up with the goat idols thing? <laughs> uh, observation on that one. Goat idols were objects of worship and sacrifice used in ancient cultures. So you kind of have to hold, I shouldn't say kind of, you have to hold everything in context when you read these verses, knowing that they are looking back to a certain culture in a certain day. Back then, goats for some cultures, especially the Egyptians, were an idol. They would not only be sacrificed, but sacrificed too, which I think is so ironic that a goat was an animal sacrificed to in the Egyptian culture. And the Israelites were delivered from Egypt. And then God would say, hey, remember that animal that you guys used to have to sacrifice to in Egypt? Yeah, I want you to sacrifice that animal for your sins. <laughs> like, I think that's incredible. You want to about dethroning all idols in our lives, <laughs> saying, yeah, the very thing that you used to adore. Yeah, I want you to get rid of it and destroy it. And that's kind of the process I want to talk to you about for just a second, because salvation is getting taken out of Egypt, but sanctification is getting Egypt out of you. So salvation is Jesus died for me. I received his sacrifice. I have eternal life in heaven and I have abundant life here on earth. But sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus and the process of sin getting removed out of my life and being made into the image of God. They were taken physically out of Egypt, but Egypt had not yet left their mindsets. They were physically removed from there, 
but their hearts and their mindsets and their personalities were still back there. And I, I think we can all relate to this. Let's be transparent. Let's be real with ourselves today. Uh, we can sometimes relate to that pre-Jesus person that we left under baptism water, right? When they call it like baptism inside of the New Testament, when they really refer to it, break it down biblically, it's you're getting left down into the water and you're leaving your old self down there underneath of the water, basically as a funeral. Like I love baptisms, like it's a celebration, but every time I see a bath, I always think funeral because you're laying to rest your old self and saying, stay under that water. And I'm coming up as the new person out of the water. Now it's all symbolic, you know, that happened when you received Jesus. But when you come up out of the water, that's when you're saying, I'm leaving the Egyptian mindset behind me down there. And really many times to get Egypt out of you, you just have to change the way that you think. Romans 12, 2, it says, do not copy behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Why do we need to have our mind transformed? Why is it important to think about what you think about? Because our life always goes in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Church, I'm telling you, your life will go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. In the books of Pro book of Proverbs, it says, so a man thinketh in his, in his heart, so he is. And that's not just for men. That is for people in general. So we think within ourselves, so we are. Because when we start to dwell like, oh, this is who I am. This is what I have going on. This is my circumstance. So we become. It's just like from this message this past Sunday. What a great word it was. But what Pastor Brennan started hitting your body starts to become like a thermometer for yourself. And you'll know, hey, I might not be the most healthy on the inside because suddenly my bones and my joints are getting a little bit achy. Suddenly I'm a little bit tired and I don't think it's seasonal depression. Suddenly, you know, because it's all rooted from that one situation that happened and because we're thinking within ourselves, so we become. And we have to go through that process of either forgiveness, go through the process of having our mind renewed, so that we can become into the image of Christ. So uh, uh, one thing I want to talk about, best way to renew your mind is through the word. This thing right here, this book, this moment, the time we're taking right here, soap devotionals, where we say, God, I want to think differently. I want my mindset changed. I want to look at life differently because this Bible is really meant to be uh, your pair of glasses for the world. And I know we're not all glasses wearers inside of listening today or inside of the Zoom. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I wish that I could just wake up in the morning and see. That's a crazy concept to me. <laughs> like you just wake up and open your eyes and you see things. Uh, we have to put on something just to be able to see anything. Uh, I really believe that should be our walk with Jesus, though. That we should have to put on the mind of Christ in order to see properly every single day. That we have to say, I want to look through the lenses of your word, the 2020 vision of your word to be able to see life clearly. And that comes from getting those verses, getting the word of God inside of your heart and inside your mind so that you can have it transformed. Something practical for you. And it's something that uh, we do as a fusion youth, because I just believe it's a good tool to have, especially in this generation and this day. Uh, the current verse, or excuse me, the current series that we do at youth. We make phone backgrounds and have the highlight verse for the whole series as our phone background. 
And I posted drop it in the chat. I asked them to set their backgrounds to it because we have to get the word of God in us. And we want to remind ourselves of that word every second of every day. So before I open my phone and I check what's going on on Instagram, before I open my phone and answer that text message, the first thing I see is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we have to get that word into us because I don't know about y'all. I need to know and remind myself of this word to transform my mind every single second of the day. Because I wish I could take my heart and do what that old commercial was, set it and forget it. Y'all remember that? Set it and forget it. I wish I could do that, but I can't. <laughs> I have to keep setting it and setting it and setting it and setting it. Because if I forget it, my mindsets will go back to the old Harry like that. And I will start thinking with negativity, anger. Oh my gosh, anger used to be like that thing I need a breakthrough from. And it was like, I could, you could set me off by looking at me wrong. And I, when I start to see, I'm getting testy. I, I'm getting a little agitated way too quick. I know, no, I need to get this word into me. I need to remind myself who I am in Jesus and who he is and what he wants for my life. Amen. So application question for that one is, uh, how are you going to dwell on God today? How are you going to dwell on God today? I know we have our soap right here. We're all gathering around the word of God, and that's powerful. Uh, however, you should also take some time today just to say, God, how can I dwell on your word today? What's that verse that speaks to you that the Holy Spirit just breathes on and brings it to life for you, where it says, hey, I want you in this, and I want to transform your mind through this word today. Uh, to, to close this up, I want to share a little story with you, because a lot of this chapter has to do with sacrifice and the type of sacrifices that God wants us to make. So to communicate, a life following Jesus is a life of sacrifice in general, like it is about sacrifice. Uh, and it's because we follow the model of Jesus. Jesus went on the cross, sacrificed for us. So he is so beyond worthy to sacrifice for. And when I read this book and I, I get down into it and I really recognize Jesus is the God of the Bible. Jesus is the God of this word and Jesus is the God of the universe. And he loves me the way he does. And his promises are for me, not against me. He's made me the head and not the tail. He's put me above and not beneath. Why would I not give him everything of mine? Why would I not be the woman with two mites inside of the tabernacle, inside of the worship center on a Sunday morning saying, God, I'm here to give you my everything. It's a life of sacrifice. Uh, I had this, I always use this story. I'll be preaching it at our all-nighter this Friday. So pray for me, pray for the team. We are going full send this Friday and it is going to be amazing. It's 13 hours with the students. So please pray, pray, pray for us. <laughs> um, but uh, in sacrifice, sacrifice requires letting something go and letting God's kingdom be at hand. So I wanted to ask you a question, you know, what is in your hand this morning? We all have something in our hand that is so close and at the easiest disposal to us. Some of us, it may be our attitudes, whether it be good or bad. It could be that that could be what's at hand. For some of us, it may be past trauma. That's a hand that gets set off so quickly. It may be your heart is deferred because you've been waiting for that hope to break through and it just hasn't yet. So that's what's at hand at quick disposal. Jesus, when he was walking the earth, 
he would say the kingdom of God is at hand because that's what was at quick disposal, quick reference for him each and every moment of the day because he was so centered in on focused on his father's will and not his own because he had let go of everything else. And I'll share the story with you. So uh, probably, my gosh, uh, eight, nine years ago at this point, I used to do tree work. Uh, I worked in restaurant for a little bit, uh, popped out to do tree work and then went back to restaurant. Loved doing uh, hardscaping. You know, I did like patios, um, uh, stonework, all that kind of stuff, techo block. Uh, but my favorite work was tree work because you get big chainsaws and cut big trees down. It was a blast. I was like 19 years old and it's probably almost every 19 year old's dream to just, you know, cut things down and break things. It was a blast. <laughs> so uh, my job for a little bit. So I became the project manager of this company it was really awesome. I'd sent teams, you know, made sure everyone was doing what they need to do. Uh, but before that, I was the one climbing trees. I was the one roping trees and all that. And we had this dude named David and David was a way better climber than I was. That man could scale like a 60 foot tree. And I'm talking two minutes where it would probably take me like 20 to 30 because I was overly cautious. Uh, David knew his stuff. So Dobby would climb the tree and I would be on the ground with the ropes. And when you cut a tree down, you basically, you know, when you're getting the branches, you tie off the, uh, the branch and I'm on the ground with the rope and you let the branch fall after you cut it with a chainsaw. And then I rope it and I slowly lower it down and there's someone on the ground that's there ready to, un, you know, unknot it and then throw it in the uh, wood chipper so we can take it all and dispose of the tree. Me. On the ground with the rope, David up in the tree, third person on the ground, ready to receive the tree. As I'm roping, he's cutting it down. It's going so smooth. And I mean, y'all, we had a big tree this day. This thing was nuts. We're, you know, 60, 70, 80 foot tree. It was insane. I don't even know where in Jersey we could have ever found this tree. I was in awe when we got to it. And of course, it's a dangerous cut. I mean, right next to someone's house, like you miss by an inch, it's in someone's bedroom. So at, we're just sitting there sweating the whole cut. I'm on the ground roping. All right. I just want to give reference, holding rope. Normally when we cut trees down, we cut them down in eight foot logs and we let eight feet of the tree drop over. It'll hit the tree. I'm holding the rope. And then I just lower the eight foot log. I'm standing on the ground. Davi cuts the first eight foot easy, lower to the ground. He cuts the second eight foot. As it's dropping off the tree, I'm holding and I'm meant to just stop it from just hitting. I mean, this thing pulled me like 20 feet through some bushes into a fence. <laughs> like, and it took me so fast. I could, I couldn't even register what was happening. One moment I'm standing there saying, yeah, good, drop it. And the next I remember I'm saying, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> like, and I lost everything in between. Like what just happened? It dropped. I was drug. I shouldn't say drug. I was in the air, took me in the air through a set of bushes and into a chain link fence. It, it, I didn't get hurt. Like I was on, I was fine. I worked the whole rest of the day. Perfectly. Okay. But I learned a really valuable lesson. Sometimes it hurts more to hold on than to let go. And in life in general, when we hold on to things that God is asking us to let go, it will hurt us more than it will hurt when we say, okay, God, you need to take this from my hands. 
because I don't want to get drugged through the bushes. I don't want to get drugged into the fence. I don't want to get pulled in a direction that I was never meant to get pulled in. Hear me, church. Uh, God may be asking you to let go of something today so that his kingdom can be at hand. And for each one of us, it might be something different. It might be saying, uh, you know, that thing, that disappointment, that thing I've been hoping for that hasn't happened. And I've been putting my hope in a false place, in a false thing. Uh, maybe I have to let it go today and say, God, I want your kingdom at hand. God, I want your will at hand. God, I want what you want for my life at hand. Because at the end of the day, it's about you and it's about your kingdom. And many times it's about the sacrifice I have to make for you. So I just have to ask, you know, is God asking you to let go of something today? And it may be even be bitterness, just like from this message this past Sunday, it may even be offense that coworker said something to you. And it feels way better to be offended about it than to actually forgive them. But I'll tell you what, it's going to hurt you more by holding on to that offense than letting go of it now. It's like ripping off a Band-Aid. It's a one-time pain versus it continually being there. So that's kind of what I have for you today. <laughs> First application question. We'll do a little review. It goes, who are you accountable to in your life? Who do you have in your circle around you that is pointing you to Jesus and keeping you in check? Because we all need somebody. Second one is, how are you going to dwell on God today? How are you going to dwell on his word? How are you going to get it on your mind, get it on your heart? Uh, when are you really going to, uh, or you know, how are you going to focus on him today in different areas of your life? And then the third question is, is God asking you to sacrifice something? Is he asking you to let go of something today where you just have to say, God, I need you in the center of this. God, I want your kingdom and your will for my life. And I know that means letting go and grabbing on to you. Amen. Awesome. I hope Leviticus 17 wasn't too bad for you. <laughs> the sacrificial systems and the chapters at the beginning of uh, uh, holiness, uh, I'm telling you. These uh, these chapters have so much gold in them. Uh, please don't write off Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all those chapters. They are gold. God has so much to say through them, and it's his word. It's holy, and he wants to speak to you through it. So just take your time through it. Write down your questions if you have them. Why are they sacrificing this? Why that animal? Why this place? What's the purpose? And I assure you, like... You have questions about Old Testament. I have answers about Old Testament, and I'm sure any one of our pastors would mind answering those questions and check it out, study it, dive into it, because you don't want to run away from God's word. You want to run into God's word. Amen. Awesome. Let me pray for you and get about your day. Father, thank you for each and every person listening. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us the boldness, grace, and courage to let go of the things you don't want us holding on to and grab onto the things that you want us grabbing onto. Because Jesus, we know you don't want us holding on to situations and circumstances, but you want us holding on to you. So God, I thank you for each and every person on this call. God, I thank you that you're with us and you're for us and not against us. And God, I just pray you would give us all hearing ears to hear you today. And Lord, as we dwell on you, I just pray that you would highlight things to us, show us yourself and show us your goodness here in the land of the living. And we pray in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Y'all love y'all. Have a great day. Have a beautiful Wednesday. I'll talk to you.